Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. I'm Jim Doyle with Business Forward, and I'll be moderating our conversation. Currently, all lines are in listen-only mode. We're pleased to welcome Carmel Martin, Managing Director at the XQ Institute. Uh, Carmel previously served as Executive Vice President at the Center for American Progress, as an Assistant Secretary at the Department of Education, and as a Senior Advisor in the U.S. Senate. She's here to discuss how high schools can produce future-ready graduates. She will cover what high school graduates must learn in order to compete with, 20, uh, with 21st century skills. Uh, and this will be an interactive briefing, so after her presentation, we'll have time for your questions. For those of you who are new to our programming, Business Ford organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings for more than 100,000 business leaders across the U.S. At these briefings, business leaders get the chance to brief policymakers and other experts on issues affecting their business and provide advice on how Washington can work better with business to accelerate our economy. Today, more than 650 mayors, governors, members of Congress, and senior administration officials have participated in our programming, and this is all thanks to the support of more than 60 of America's largest and most respected companies. Before we get started, a few housekeeping items. Uh, first, as part of an email confirmation you received uh, after registering for this event, uh, you received a, there, you'll see an email with a, a link that says Open Visual Interface. Just click on that link to view today's presentation. The slides are also available on our website at businessfwd.org. Look for the post advertising this event. Uh, second, uh, as I mentioned, there will be time for questions and comments after Carmel's remarks. You can participate uh, in three ways. Uh, you can press 1 on your keypad at any time to be entered into queue to ask your question live. Uh, you can email it to us at info at businessforfwd.org, uh, and I'll read it aloud. Uh, you can also type your questions into the chat window on the webinar screen. Again, you can press 1 to be entered into the queue to ask your question live. You can email your questions to info at businessfwd.org, or you can type your question in the chat box. Please include your name, business, and location in your message if you email a question. If you ask a question live, please introduce yourself with your business and where you're calling from. We'll get to as many questions as we can. Uh, finally, the invitation to this call was widely distributed, and we are recording it. Uh, please keep in mind, reporters may be on the call, and we will post the recording of this call on our website and podcast feed. Uh, with that, let's get started. Uh, welcome, Carmel Martin. Uh, please go ahead. Thanks, Jim. Thanks so much for setting this up and for all the work that you're doing. Um, so as Jim said, my name is Carmel Martin, and I'm here to talk about an initiative launched by the XQ Institute. If we could work, move to the next slide. The XQ initiative was launched uh, about three years ago through a national challenge around the idea of reimagining high school. We had a national competition where we asked communities to uh, come forward and enter into a design process to uh, reimagine the high schools that, um, that they have in their communities or to create new high schools, and we provided funding for them to do that. Our goal is to fuel um, local communities' creativity to transform high schools so that every student succeeds, no matter their race, gender, or zip code. Next slide. Uh, this map just gives you a sense of where our existing um, high schools are. These are the schools that won the challenge that I just described. And these are all schools on the path to becoming what we call super schools. As you can see, we have them in a lot of different geographic areas, uh, and these schools really look very different from each other in many ways. Um, there's no, uh, our, our approach is that each community needs to um, think about what 
the students in their community need to be successful and also to tap into assets in each of these communities. So the diversity is something that we celebrate, uh, but each of these schools are, are following a set of common design principles that support the idea of a broad definition of success uh, designed to align with the demands of the 21st century economy. Um, it, each of these schools is focused on student agency and student voice, on personalizing instruction so that all students' needs are being met and students who are behind can catch up. Um, and all of these schools have uh, deep connections with uh, people in their community and they're bringing the community into the school but also facilitating students' ability to go out to their communities to learn in a hands-on way. Next slide. So recently we put out um, a document called High School and the Future of Work where we analyze data regarding our education system but also uh, the job markets of today as well as the job markets looking into the future. And um, that, that document um, laid out a policy agenda for governors and state leaders, um, giving them suggestions in terms of how they can support uh, local communities in efforts to improve and re-envision their high schools. Um, next slide. When, when we look at that data about the future of work, um, one thing is clear is that there's a lot of uncertainty that is, that is uh, garnered from um, dynamic nature of the future of work, uh, but there are a few things that we can be sh sure of. The first is that change is going to be constant. Uh, for our students, the average young American will change jobs at least 11 times uh, between the ages of 18 and 44. We also know that young people are going to be working at jobs that don't currently exist. One-third of new jobs created in the U.S. in the last, past 25 years were ty types that did not exist or barely existed before, and that rate looks like it's just going to um, increase. And the third thing we can be sure of is that many workers won't be at traditional jobs with one employer in one location and with benefits. Um, that as there's an increasing uh, number of jobs that are contingent workers or part-time workers or on contract workers. Um, so again, that will contribute to the need for, for uh, workers to be adaptable. Um, and we know that the pace of change is only gonna get faster. Um, next slide, please. We do know, however, that education matters a lot and getting more students to and through post-secondary education is just going to become increasingly important, whether that post-secondary education translates to a, a graduate degree or a traditional four-year undergraduate degree or a post-secondary uh, career and technical education credential, students um, more and more will need to be able to be ready for college level academic work uh, because even in the CTE pathways, college, college ready reading and math will be necessary. And, you know, we see right now that, that in our current economy that's the case. Uh, students who have some post-secondary education are more likely to be employed they're more likely to make more money and they're more likely to have their wages grow more quickly. Um, in, the, in the last recession, 
74% of the jobs lost were lost to people with no post-secondary education. 99% of the jobs gained in the recovery went to people with some post-secondary education. So we don't really need to look too far out into the future of work to know that our high schools need to get more students ready for college-level work. Next slide, please. This is probably intuitive for most of you, but we also know right now the demand for digital skills uh, has jumped uh, pretty dramatically um, and that those skills are necessary not just for folks going into a tech-based industry, but a, a broader set of even ever-increasing number of jobs require uh, digital skills. So we need to get more and more students um, ready to, to acquire those digital skills. Next slide, please. But I think the thing that is spoken less about in the context of the debates around the future of work is that in addition to getting more students more bet, better prepared academically and acquiring digital skills or compute, exposure to computer science, we also know if you look out to the future of work that uh, more and more uh, jobs requiring social and analytical skills, and I think this next slide brings that home. Um, uh, the um, employment and jobs requiring analytical or social skills has been increasing at four times the rate of employment and jobs requiring physical skills. Next slide. And as we look into the future, that's just going to uh, continue to grow. Obviously, not surprisingly, we see if you look out to 2030, a 60% increase in the demand for technical skills, but even more interestingly, you see the demand for social-emotional skills going up by 26%. So what does that mean for our high schools? Uh, next, if you could skip ahead two slides, please. We think that, uh, first and foremost, the reason that we're so focused on high schools as opposed to other parts of the education continuum, continuum um, all of them are important, but one reason we think that in the context of job readiness, the reason to really zero in on high schools is because that is the part of the education system that, that is sort of the linchpin between uh, driving change throughout the K-12 continuum, but also ensuring readiness for that next phase in the post-secondary space, whether, again, whether that's through a vocational um, technical certificate or a traditional post-secondary education, uh, what happens in high school is critical to ensuring success in that next phase of life. We also would point out that it's the one part of our education system that really hasn't changed in recent decades. If you look at national education data over the last 50 years, we've actually seen some fairly significant improvement in elementary school and middle school, but high school performance has been stagnant. And then perhaps most importantly, we know because of um, recent developments in brain science that teenage brains are, it's not too late to get to teenagers in high school. And on the contrary, they, um, that th their brains are still undergoing fairly significant uh, development. It's been, they could even increase their IQ score during the adolescent years. So we know it's a tremendous area of opportunity in terms of ensuring that our students are, um, are sort of, again, ready for the next stage of life. Um, next slide, please. But despite the fact that high school is this critical juncture for our students, high schools really haven't changed in the last 50 years. The student we know from 
students that they uh, report that they're bored, unchallenged, and uninspired. Less than half of our high school students believe that their high school has helped them figure out which careers match their skills and interests. Um, they think the, uh, often think that the work that they're doing in schools is too easy and uh, that they're not engaged with what they're learning. So we think we need a pretty dramatic um, re, um, reimagining of what's happening in high schools so that we can do a better job at getting those getting more students prepared in terms of rigorous academics, but also so we can get at the broader set of skills that we know the jobs of the future are going to require, things like creativity, entrepreneurship, um, ability to adapt to changing circumstances, ability to collaborate with their peers. Uh, so that's, that's basically the rationale for XQ taking this on as an area of focus and our call to action for both state leaders and business leaders and local community leaders to really come together around a new vision for high schools. The next slide. I'm sure this is something that's also uh, intuitive for all of you on the call, but if we were able to tackle improvements in per student performance coming out of high school in terms of uh, being ready for that next phase of life, going on to college, completing college, it can have pretty dramatic economic repercussions for the country. Um, this is one study that showed that if we could close the racial achievement gap alone, we would boost American GDP by more than a half a trillion dollars. So we think it makes uh, it's, it's the right thing to do for our students. Closing racial um, gaps is the right thing to do from a civil rights and equity perspective, but it's also the right thing to do uh, for the well-being of the country overall. Next slide. So to dig a little deeper into our approach, um, we think that the the first step for reimagining high school is to step back and ask for communities to ask themselves, what do students need to know, be able to do an experience before they leave, leave high school to be ready for that next phase in their lives? We think that what's required is a strong foundation of academic knowledge, the skills necessary to apply that knowledge to non-routine problems, and uh, acquisition of a set of competencies that allow them to work well and ethically with others, and a great deal of flexibility and adaptability. Next slide. At XQ, we've translated those goals into a set of XQ learner outcomes, um, which is our, all of the schools that we're supporting across the country are striving to meet these learner, um, learner outcomes, uh, which are to ensure that all students are masters of all fundamental literacies, including being, uh, being critical readers, compelling writers, mathematical and numeric thinkers, data and visual thinkers, also uh, ensuring that students are original thinkers for an uncertain world uh, so that they can be adaptable uh, since they will be required to, life, to be lifelong learners. Um, at the same time, not, not losing the concept that they do need to um, leave high school with some core knowledge, so as holders of fundament, fundamental knowledge, and then getting at some of those other skills they ensure that they're generous collaborators for tough problems and learners for life. Next slide. Based on that set of outcomes, we developed some key design principles that we think all school high schools should be thinking about and all of our schools are striving to address. And those include T 
teaching for deeper learning. So not just learning information, but learning how to apply information. Uh, second is youth empowerment, voice, and choice, that if students feel like school is relevant, that they have a sense of agency over it, they're more likely to be engaged and learn skills that will serve them as, um, as lifelong learners. Uh, third is ensuring that they are partnering with businesses, nonprofits, uh, public entities in their community in order to bring more rich instruction to students through project-based learning, work-based learning, service-based learning. Um, the third is rethinking traditional systems, so really trying to push the envelope and not necessarily approaching school in the same formula that it's been approached for decades with one teacher standing up in front of 30 students in a, in a lecture mode, figuring out how to, to get outside the classroom, to get students applying their knowledge and engaging in their, their communities. The fourth is personalized learning powered by technology. So if we need all students to be leaving um, high school with college-ready le reading and math skills, we need to do a better job of identifying gaps in their learning in real time and helping them to catch up. Uh, and technology can be a powerful tool in helping teachers to do that. And then the third is embracing a broader vision of student success. So success doesn't equal proficiency on a math test and a reading test alone. They need to be proficient in reading and math, but they need to be able to demonstrate some of these other skills like creativity, analytic thinking, collaboration. So again, as I mentioned at the start, we can move to the next slide. Actually, if we could jump ahead two slides. Um, we, we put out uh, this document called High School and the Future of Work. Uh, hopefully you've received a link to it and encourage you to go on, on the web and take a look at it. There's also an audio file attached to it so you can listen to it if you prefer listening to reading. But we've laid out, first of all, the rationale for why we think high school is so critical to the future of work um, as well as a, a policy framework for state leaders to support local communities in thinking about how they can engage in a design process to come up with a, a new vision for what high school should look like. If we can switch two more slides. Uh, we also have included state-by-state -state data that shows critical data points related to education and workforce issues relevant to each state. And then next slide. Um, and we basically have broken down our recommendations for state policymakers into three different areas. The first is talking about how state leaders can empower local communities to design high schools of the future. Uh, what we're suggesting is that they create an innovation zone that gives schools greater um, autonomy and control over people, money, and time so that they can do things like get students out of the classroom and into the community with project-based learning. Uh, often state laws around seat time become an obstacle to doing that but also um, allowing them to divert resources, use resources differently to get at more innovative instructional techniques. The second um, bucket for our recommendations relates to making diplomas meaningful by ensuring that state graduation um, standards or diplomas are aligned with college and career readiness. Uh, what a lot of states are doing in that space is 
upping the game in terms of the academic rigor of their standards for students, but at the same time also adding as a graduation requirement some work-based learning experience or some opportunity to attend college through an early college or dual, um, a dual credit arrangement. And then the third area is ensuring that state, if, ask, calling upon state leaders to ensure that teachers have the tools they need to actually implement innovative instructional techniques, which entails providing professional development to them in new instructional strategies, but also making sure they have textbooks and curriculum and ed-tech-based ed tools that are necessary to, to do personalized instruction, but also to do things like project-based learning. Most teachers, when they, when they went to teacher preparation schools, they weren't really taught to teach that way. They were taught to teach through a more traditional lecture model. So if we want to, teachers to make that pivot, we need to be able to ensure that they have what they need to be able to do that well. Next slide. And um, finally, we, we see business, the business community playing a critical role in this space. With every one of our schools across the country, the 19 schools that we're working with, um, there are deep connectivity between what they're doing and what the business community in, in that state or in that jurisdiction is doing. Many of the schools have um, partnered with business leaders to create work-based learning opportunities or to help develop a career readiness framework for their students. So we think businesses are, the business community is, is essential to this entire movement. There's sort of two critical roles they can, you all can play. One is to work with schools in your community on this new vision for what high schools can look like, but also to engage with state and local policymakers to create demand for more a more um, effective vision for high schools. And we're hopeful that, that that is something the folks on the call would be willing to do. I've been doing education uh, policy for about 20 years, and I feel like I can say without a doubt any positive reform that has happened in education has happened because the business community was there supporting it, driving it, calling for action. So I'm really hopeful that this is another area that the business community will feel comfortable engaging on and help to help us to support the kind of change that we need to make sure that our students are successful, but also make sure that our businesses are successful. So in the Q&A, hopefully we can engage on that a little bit. I'd welcome any questions that you have, but also um, welcome any, any recommendations you have for what you think are the most important changes we need to see in the education system. Maybe before we turn it over to Q&A, I just want to briefly highlight a couple slides I have on some of our, our schools that I think are particularly powerful, but you can also go on our website and learn more about the schools. But maybe just quickly to highlight these two, if we can move to the next slide. Um, in Indianapolis in Indiana, we have uh, Purdue Polytechnic High School, which has a really rich partnership with, um, with uh, Purdue University, but also with the local business community there. And there they've created um, a school that's focused on preparing students for high-skill, high-wage STEM jobs of the future. And they do a lot of project-based learning focused on particular um, industries, uh, and they've got learning coaches that support personalized instruction for all their students. 
and each of the students in the school, when they're in the 11th grade, they choose a career pathway in a growing field, such as advanced manufacturing or supply chain and logistics. So they then can access post-secondary uh, curricula in that space, in that pathway that they've chosen. It's a really fantastic school. And then the second school I just want to highlight, uh, if you could turn to the next slide, is Washington Leadership Academy, which is right here in Washington, D.C. And it uh, provides uh, access. Every student in that school takes computer science all four years of their high school career. It also has a tremendous emphasis on leadership qualities and um, supporting students in their social-emotional development while still tackling this idea of um, developing um, students who have these digital skills that will be so critical to the jobs of the future. So with that, maybe I'll stop and, and take any questions you have, but again, also eager to hear any advice or comments that you have for us in terms of what you think schools need to look like. Thanks. Thank you very much, Carmel. Uh, and if you're interested in, in learning more, the, the website for uh, XQ is xqsuperschools.org. Uh, you can find uh, the, the policymaker guide, profiles of the different schools. Uh, and before we get to questions, just uh, sort of uh, from our experience at Business Forward, uh, we work with a lot of business leaders who care about education reform, and they say three things. They say, uh, I'm too busy, uh, I'm not an expert, or uh, I'm worried about the politics uh, of getting involved in education reform. And what we've found with uh, uh, the future of work and with XQ in particular is uh, you really don't need to be an expert in education reform. You really need to be an expert on what you need to, to hire, the skills you need, the employees you need. Um, and uh, uh, in terms of it taking a lot of time, uh, we're here to make it easier for you. We've had uh, uh, probably a 1,000 people sign on to a, a, a joint letter that we began distributing last week, um, and we're going to be distributing that uh, uh, in a number of states uh, uh, where uh, really amazing education reforms are already in place. It's just a matter of encouraging them. Uh, and finally, you know, one of the, education is, is one of those issues where a small number of people speaking out can have an enormous impact. Uh, it's, it's just different than other issues. Uh, uh, education, there just aren't as many people out there uh, advocating, so it, it doesn't take many people to have an impact. Uh, before we get to questions, um, I just want to remind people, if you want to ask a question, you can press 1 on your dial pad now and you'll be entered in the queue. Uh, or you can email a question to us at info at businessfwd.org. Uh, our first question is from Tammy Lawrence in Dallas, Texas, and it uh, relates to career and technical education. Um, how much of what our schools have in place now um, is uh, outdated? Uh, you know, should we be tossing out AutoShop and replacing it with uh, computer labs? Uh, what, how much of what we're doing now um, uh, it, it will, will work for the future of work? So I would say we, we shouldn't toss out AutoShop, but AutoShop has to look a lot different than it has looked historically. I think if you go to uh, the best schools, there's a school in Rhode Island, a, a career and technical academy that still does AutoShop, but a big part of AutoShop is basically teaching digital skills. Because I think what most mechanics will tell you is that, you know, in 2018, to be a good auto mechanic, you have to have fairly sophisticated digital skills because everything is done using computers. Um, but I think bigger picture, I think what we need to do is, it's not, it's not that we need to move away from traditional vocational education, it's that we have to make vocational education 
fit the demands of the current economy so that their creation of career and technical pathways. Usually what that means is uh, you need to have uh, at least three courses in the pathway that you're studying. What we see when we kind of audit the types of courses kids are taking in the career and technical space is they're taking kind of one-off courses that aren't really that valuable, they're not very rigorous, and they're not likely to lead to success at the post-secondary level, that the types of career and technical education programs that work well first have embedded in them high academic standards. Usually they have opportunities for students to take classes outside of their high school, either in the local community college or through another career education provider. And their their creation of a series of courses so they really can learn some concrete technical skills, but also do applied learning. That's really the where, where you're going to have to change jobs 11 times. You need to learn adaptability and the ability to pl- apply what you know to changing circumstances. I think the other thing that uh, is worthy of emphasis is that historically, you know, in 1950, when we only had to send 10% of, of a high school graduation class to a four-year college, it was okay that we had tracking and we had some kids who were in a college prep academic um, pathway and we had some kids who were in a less rigorous pathway because they were going to become, um, go into a vocational education pathway. I think that time is over because, again, an auto mechanic needs fairly advanced academic skills to be able to navigate the, the, the uh, digital skills that they need to be successful. So I think it's more uh, le- raising the sophistication of career and technical programs. I think also all students would benefit from exposure to computer science. Again, not because all our kids are going to become coders or go into com- uh, a technology uh, exclusive field, but because every field is go- eventually going to require some level of digital skills. So having a foundation in that space is a really great thing to do. And a lot of states are looking at the introduction of providing computer science for all students in their in their high school experience. And we think that's a great thing to do, even if you're not doing it every year like they're doing at Washington Leadership Academy. Our next question is from Steve Jones, president of Green Energy Enterprises in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Steve, you're on the line. Okay, thank you. Um, my question is something I've just learned recently. How are you approaching uh, the development of curriculum in cyber education? I understand around the country folks are starting to take a look at that in high school and even in the middle schools so the kids can understand to protect themselves online and and maybe get them all excited about new careers because it seems to be pretty heavy. That's my question. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, again, I, I think we're 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 not prescribing for any of our schools that you must implement a particular curriculum, but many of our because what we're asking schools to do is to think about what skills do you think your students need to be successful and given that what should your school look like? We we see more and more schools embracing computer science and cyber into the curriculum and an appreciation that, that it'll be critical to their ability to navigate not just the job market, but life. Uh, our next question is going to be from Richard Bowles from Portland, Oregon. 
He is the CEO of BTEC Ventures International. Uh, Richard, you're on the line. My question was, uh, what, what has the XQ team done to examine the international playing field and are the programs, which sound wonderful, uh, going to generate students coming out of high school that are competitive on an international basis? We have, uh, that's a great question, thank you for it. Um, yes, we have been looking, studying what other countries are doing um, on, on, uh, in terms of their education systems and specifically high school offerings. Um, in particular, we see a lot of models um, in Europe around work-based learning that we think there's a lot that U.S. schools can learn from. In Switzerland, 70% of high school students uh, engage, engage in work-based learning where it's, they spend as much time at a job as they do in school, but they've been able to do that while maintaining academic rigor so students who enter that, that, that pathway still go on to college. It's not seen as a, you know, a pathway directly to work. Um, so I think that's one area where we can, uh, we can get better and therefore have students who are more competitive internationally. I mean, I think if you look at uh, international compar comparisons in terms of um, assessment results, the U.S. is lagging in math and science relative to many, many other developed nations particularly as it relates to applied knowledge. PISA is an international assessment that really focuses on that. It's not just do you know math, but can you apply math in, in a dynamic context? Uh, so I think, I, think, uh, I think that is uh, one area where we can take a look at what people are doing internationally and apply it here. And that has been built into XQ's resources. We've created a series of modules that are on our website um, that are designed to help educators at the community level think through different areas, like how do you ensure that students are, are engaged in deeper learning, so not just learning content, but applying content. And we walk through the evidence and some of the examples across the country and internationally on, on strategies for tackling that. Uh, we have two related questions. One is from Cheryl McAbee from Reno, Nevada, and one is from Andrew Gonzalez from Charleston, South Carolina. They both relate to this tension between uh, deeper learning and um, the fact that so many of our graduates just aren't ready for college. Uh, and one of the questions relates to the benefit of getting high schoolers into college early through part-time classes, uh, and, and the other is, is um, uh, whether it's it's realistic to expect to increase more deep learning when we've got kids who just don't have fundamental skills? Those are great questions. Um, I would say on the first piece of this, access to college-level courses is something that um, most of our schools are doing, and I think and one of our um, one of our primary recommendations for state leaders is to provide additional funding to make that happen. A lot of times that's hard for high schools to make happen because they have to pay the college for the student to attend the post-secondary institution. Um, so there's sort of this dispute over who needs to pay, cover the cost of that access to a community college course. And what a lot of states are doing is creating funding streams that kind of 
that mean the high school doesn't necessarily lose a portion of its funding for the student, but the college gets funding for the student. So we're, we're calling upon governors and state leaders to expand access to those kinds of programs because we absolutely agree that that's uh, critically important and the more students we can get access to those programs, the better. And also ensuring that they're available equitably, that it's not just high wealth school districts that are able to offer students that option, that low income and students of color um, have equitable access to those programs. Um, and the second point I would say, uh, I think we need to do both. It's just not good enough to just get to a basic level of knowledge anymore in order for students to be successful in the economy. We need to both um, ensure that they are getting that sort of basic uh, knowledge acquisition, but also getting to deeper learning, which really is a fancy word for being able to apply what you know. Um, and it just is, is clear, like, e you know, even in jobs that don't require a four-year undergraduate degree, uh, employers need students not to have that ability to apply knowledge, to communicate with their peers, to collaborate with their peers, um, and then students need to be successful in life, the ability to adapt to be lifelong learners. So I think that is the challenge for it. It, it can be challenging when students are several grade levels behind in terms of academic academic content, but it, it, is the, it, it is something that we need to support our schools in helping those students catch up, but also to learn this deeper set of skills that will make them successful moving into the future. And we, we have schools that we're working with who are doing it. Washington Leadership Academy, the school that I mentioned, they start in ninth grade, and they're, they're entering class in ninth grade. The students are five grade levels apart from each other. What the school does to deal with that is every student has a 60-minute block in English language arts and math that's grade-level content um, and trying to get at that deeper learning of skills, but then they also have lab every day in English language arts and math, another 60-minute walk, respectively, where the focus is helping them catch up on the, the content or the proficiencies that they didn't gain that they should have gained in previous years. So it does require schools to kind of walk and chew gum at the same time, which is difficult, but, but it is something that we know is doable because we're seeing it happen. Uh, we got one last question. Uh, it's from Tom Pipple. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Tom, from Parker, Colorado. He writes, my experience is that school districts often act as gatekeepers for school innovations. They can speed up or restrain adaptations. Only one district, Tulsa Public Schools, is on your list of test sites. How do they make the list? Are there plans to increase the number of areas involved at the district level, particularly rural districts? Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that uh, districts can have uh, an incredible ability to either inspire and support innovation or stand as a barrier to it. Uh, we cho we chose Tulsa because the superintendent at, in Tulsa uh, was one of our judges in the XQ challenge that we did nationally and um, has built a really incredible team. Um, leadership team in Tulsa, so we felt um, we felt excited about the opportunity to partner with her. We are planning to expand to other districts. Um, our tools, we're looking to make our tools sort of user-friendly. They're open source. We're not looking to make any money 
on the tools. Um, we're, we're, look, we're, we're hopeful that uh, folks at the district level will use them as, uh, as they move forward this agenda. We, we started with the state makers, uh, state, state level policy guide um, because we wanted to take advantage of the fact that we have a huge turnover in governors in this past election cycle. So we thought it was a great opportunity to get to new state leaders who were looking for a new agenda, um, but we are also planning to do a similar document for district level leaders. And we feel like a lot of our tools that we have that exist are useful to state leaders. But to answer your question, we do intend to expand to other districts. We'd love to work in all types of districts, urban, suburban, rural. But that part of our work is really just getting initiated. And we're, uh, through calls like this and the work around the Policymakers Guide, we're trying to raise awareness around the, the need to think about high school, particularly in the context of workforce development and the jobs of the future. And we're hoping that we'll, we'll bring, you know, bring people to us who are interested in engaging this and looking to partner with us. I had a call last week with a bunch of superintendents in Minnesota. Most of them were in what they described as rural districts. So I think we're, we're making some progress there, but lots more to do. Thank you very much, Carmel. So if you're interested in learning more about the X-Schools Super School Project, just go to xqsuperschools.org. Uh, we'll also be sending a link to the Policymaker Guide uh, and the deck that you saw just in this presentation uh, to anyone on the call. Uh, next month on the 24th of January, we'll be hosting a call with Carrie Douglas, President of School Board Partners, and she'll be talking about uh, why and how to run for local school board. We'll also be doing a call with Congressman Kurt Schrader on health care reform and with Steve Tabachman, the president of Detroit Economic uh, uh, Partners, about local economic development efforts in that city. Um, and uh, we'll also be uh, expect to be doing a program with McKinsey is Global Institute. Uh, they are the authors of a, a really amazing study on the future of work uh, that uh, uh, you'll find interesting. Um, if you have any questions about uh, super schools or getting involved, uh, or if you're interested in joining us and in, uh, 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 in, uh, uh, reaching out to new governors, please uh, just send us an email at info at businessfwd.org. Uh, we'll also be sending you uh, links to the, uh, the joint statement that we sent out and asking you to provide individual statements of your own. Uh, thank you all very much for your time. Uh, Carmel, thank you uh, for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, everyone have a great day. Thanks so much, Jim.